0: Smash, what's up, Alex? How are you? Long time no see, <laughs> yeah, right. How's that, how's that living room treating you? <laughs> Pretty good. This other recliner isn't as comfortable as is the other one, but it'll do. Yeah, um, I actually, uh,
1: I'm treating you right with the AC turned on. I usually don't turn the AC on for guests, not not the lady, not the lady friend, just just the bro. Only yeah. cause you're not you're not here that much. <laughs> Jebby, you got AC in Memphis?
2: I mean, I think we have AC about just about everywhere. I mean, we are in the 21st century.
1: No, I'm talking about, like, are you turning AC on? Are you saving money? Or are you dying? Uh,
2: it's, no, not actually. Not this weekend. It's been rather cool in Memphis. It's only been highs in, like, the lower 70s, and it's it, been in the lower 60s overnight.
1: Is it? Is it raining there this weekend? Yeah,
2: it's been raining all weekend. It's been kind of cool and just rainy. It's been kind of a dreary weekend.
1: Yeah, I feel It's been good weather here, but I think the, this week is supposed to rain all week. But also the weather men and women are never right here so it's probably a great job to have is to get paid to be wrong um kind of like us we get we uh we don't get paid yet but we are wrong on some sec football i wish there were some uh surprises this week uh, some teams that weren't supposed to win actually won uh we'll talk about it in a little bit but um sorry to advance hold but mississippi state did lose to kentucky in which game that wasn't supposed to go that way and then uh sorry jb but tennessee did lose to florida which is more of a toss-up game but that was a little bit of a surprise and there's some other games around the country that were a little a little more surprising than we had expected um let's start the show off real quick jb did you eat anything good
2: um not really i mean i guess uh, today i had my better meal i had a uh, the hungry lush special oh that's from, right you're talking about that from abner's famous chicken tenders uh I did eight tendered basket. I did ha- I did a uh, half buffalo, and then the other half plain with uh, blue cheese and honey dress and honey mustard dressing to be dipping into, with some fries and Texas toast and coleslaw.
1: You you told us that you felt like a lumberjack after that, right?
2: I did. I mean, I felt like a beast eating all that food. Like I haven't. That's pretty much all I ate all day. I ate that and had an apple this morning, but that's all I eaten.
1: Did you have the biggest turd in the world come out of your butthole afterwards?
2: Oh, that'll be tomorrow.
1: To to be to be determined, but probably so tomorrow. Okay, I got you. Yeah, that's a little TMI, there
2: for this show, don't you think?
1: Hell no. We talk about our turds on this show and different shit. Um, hold smash. Um, I, we can talk about our our lovely romantic weekend here in the lovely city of Atlanta. Um, but I'll ask you, we had two different, two different meals that stuck. Actually, I guess three or four different meals. We had a lot of good meals now that I think about it. Um, That stuck out. But I'll ask you, Holt. We had barbecues tonight at a place called Twin Smokers Barbecue. It's downtown Atlanta. I thought it was decent, not great, but good. Um, but we had Waffle House Saturday night after going out on the town in Atlanta. Um, had that classic 2.30 a.m. Uh, All-Star special at Waffle House, which is it's always crowded. And there was actually a lot of uh, Clemson fans here in town for the Georgia Tech game that we saw out and about in Atlanta. But I was Holt. Um, Did you enjoy Waffle House the most out of all of your meals this weekend? You had Waffle House last night. You had barbecue today. You had wall burgers at the Battery with the Braves game Friday. What was your favorite meal?
0: Yeah, we also went to Red Pepper's yesterday as well. Red red Pepper Taqueria. (laughs) Kind of expensive, but
1: um, still pretty decent food. I had to feed as you had tacos. That was good as well. But was
0: Waffle House still the best? I don't know. I think Bojangles may have been oh, about may have been the best. Yeah, we okay. we pretty much we ate our way through this city. Uh, yeah, I'm like we don't have Bojangles in Mississippi anymore, so it's kind of a big deal when I I get a chance to get over there and get some. So we um, I was definitely a big fan of that. And then uh, the barbecue night, just like you said, good, not great. They had some smoked wings that I will say were pretty outstanding, and um, we got the barbecue sandwich that was really good. Um, I mean, not the best one I've ever had, but still, like, you know, above average. And then um had some beef brisket that uh, I know you liked a good bit. I wasn't as crazy about it, but it was pretty good. And then I had some banana pudding for dessert that was outstanding. Yeah.
1: Um, um, FYI, JB, you probably wouldn't have liked this. I really didn't like it as much. Um, I think the smoke wings were definitely the best. You wouldn't like the pulled pork. I feel like out of all the people, JB, I feel like you're the closest to what – I like in barbecue about me me and you are about the same in judging barbecue and what we like and don't like. So I don't think yeah. you would have loved it. But... Yeah, there's
2: there's just like a special texture to barbecue. Like there's a lot of things I look for. Mainly the uh the smoky flavor, like what kind of wood they use to smoke their meat and you know, just the different methods that they use. Like you can just tell uh who puts a lot of heart and soul into it and who just, you know, goes through the motions.
1: Yeah, we um we were joking because I was asking Holt about like what he likes to go to Memphis. He's like, what I do like about Memphis is that every time I go, I just always eat. And there's always good places to eat. But he was here this weekend. And like the food wasn't like the main main objective or goal this weekend. But we did eat a shit ton of food here this weekend as well. And so, so much, in fact, today at the barbecue place that we were, I was telling somebody, a special lady friend tonight about it. Um, we ate so much food tonight. Or we ordered so much food tonight that uh, we were sitting a little two-seater. Um, table we had to move to like the four four or five six seater round table to f- fit all of our food. So there's quite a bit of food tonight. And um I think the server was looking at us like wait are, y- are y'all are all just getting this? It was barbecue is relatively cheap, but this is a little bit more pricey here in Atlanta. And we end up spending I'm not too proud about this, but we end up spending ninety dollars for two people on food. We got a shit ton of food. On barbecue? Yeah, but it, you had Atlanta, a tip Atlanta. You oh had a my tip. God. You had to tip though, so it was really seventy-five before, before tip. But it was it was a good amount of food. But it was also oh hell no, it was it was um it was a good amount of food. And we just we we discussed before that we weren't going to care about money. We were just going to get a lot of food. So it it was a good amount of food, but probably a little overpriced. So I don't think we'll be going back. But it was still good to try. No regrets. Not even a single letter. Right, Holt. Yeah,
0: that's right. And uh, it was. A good time. What I really wanted, uh, I was really craving was some pork ribs, but unfortunately they were out. Kind of tough thing with barbecue places sometimes is they do run out of meat like later in the day, Um, just depending on how how many people have been ordering that. So, you know, it's one of those things that happens, but uh, you know, it would have been nice to get some pork ribs, but it is what it is.
1: It was still a good meal. Yeah, and um, we're not going to talk too much. Debbie wants to know about Wahlburgers, but Wahlburgers was um, was really good. Actually, um, I have never been there before, and it's actually it's opposite chain. It's Mark Wahlburgers restaurant. Um, I'm pretty sure it's started in Boston. I don't know the details behind it, but it, it's it's in the Battery in Atlanta at the Braves game in the SunTrust Park, and it was it was pretty good. Holt
0: likes it a lot. Um, oh yeah, it was really good. They they do like I mean everything about it is like really good. The bread's really good. The you know the meat's really good and seasoned well. And what, but what I really liked was the pickles. I thought the pickles really made it. They was just like a really, um, I don't really know how to describe them, but just they were just like the perfect like flavor of pickle that like I've ever had. Let's uh let's go ahead and get into some football real quick. And of course,
1: by real quick I mean for the next fifty minutes. Let's talk about football. Um, let's. So there's a lot of games on this weekend. The the one thing that sticks out in my mind the most is nobody's gonna beat this Alabama team. They were I forgot what their what the point spread was for this AM game. I think it was twenty or twenty-five or something like that. Something crazy. And they end up winning by twenty-two. And this was the closest anybody's been to Alabama this year. And I thought Texas AM played a respectable game, losing by twenty two. And this game was at Alabama, but Tua showed out yet again and it's it's just ridiculous how, how great this Alabama team is. So that's the number one thing that stuck out in my mind. I'll ask I'll ask you, Holt. Um, do you think anybody – I mean, Alabama is supposed to lose one game a year to like somebody like Ole Miss when they're better than them. But they're just head and shoulders above everybody else. I just don't see where they're going to mess up. Do you?
0: Yeah, it's tough to see right now. I mean, it is really hard to go undefeated, especially in the SEC West. But, um, you know, there's definitely – there's nobody in the country I would take to beat them. You know, head to head, and I just like their. When I look at their schedule, you know, obviously that's travel to Baton Rouge. They get, you know, text. You know, they get a uh, Auburn at home later in the year. Um, you know, Georgia in the SEC championship game most likely. So, you know, I mean, could they lose one of those games? Yeah, but I mean, looking at it right now, it looks like they're gonna run the table. It JB, doesn't look like anyone's in close to them right now. Debbie, the um, the SEC
1: this weekend didn't have a horrible weekend. Um, they had some some games that didn't go the way they were supposed to go. They, I mean, thank God they weren't the ACC. Shout out to Old Dominion of Conference USA for beating the powerhouse of the ACC, Virginia Tech. So I don't know what's going on with the ACC. They had an even worse week probably than the Big Ten two weeks ago. Uh, so crazy week in ACC. But, uh, JB, do you think um, some, of the, some of the close games and the games going the other – different ways in SEC, like Kentucky beating Mississippi State and, like, Louisiana Tech keeping keeping the LSU game relatively close for three or four quarters. Do you think that brings down the SEC a little bit in people's eyes, or do you think it's just the SEC being the SEC and everybody can compete against each other?
2: No, I think it's more just – it's more of the latter, what you said. I think it's, the SEC, like, if the level is just uh, – between each of these teams is pretty close except Alabama and Georgia, who are head and shoulders above everyone else. But like like you said, uh, the competition is just so close. Uh, every week it's a dogfight. And even, you know, these games, like, you know, when they're supposed to be close going into it and they're blowouts, like, you don't get a really a lot of blowouts in this conference. Most of these games are going to be highly competitive. And I guess in some other people's eyes, like, oh, no, it's the, SEC, the SEC is just not that competitive for, you know, these teams aren't that good. No, uh, these teams are all just pretty well equal. They, they're all recruiting really well. A lot of them are pretty well-coached. Lots of money goes into these programs. So, like, the competition's always going to be pretty stiff.
1: Me and and Holt had the luxury of each other's presence this weekend for the entire game, games on Saturday, entire list of games on Saturday. And we were discussing during the day that there really weren't any great games until the night games, which we got to for the Wisconsin-Iowa and then stanford oregon game that went to overtime. Um, So... Were you, were you a little disappointed, JB, that there weren't, weren't as great of games, even though was on paper some of these games could have been a lot better?
2: Absolutely. Like, I, when I was looking at the TV lineup, I thought all the best games were at night yesterday. Like, you want at least, you know, some good games, you know, during the afternoon. Like, Wisconsin-Iowa, that game to me is made for, like, a day game, like a late afternoon type start. Like, especially in a place like Iowa City. Like, I would prefer to have that game during the day you know, and, and then have Stanford, Oregon at night. Cause, like, I hated having to flip the channels too much last night because there was just too many games to flip between. I was flipping between Stanford, Oregon, Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Tennessee, Florida. Like, and occasionally Arkansas, Auburn. That's just way too many games to flip between. Like, I want it to be spread out a little bit more. You know what I mean?
1: We need a master scheduler. I do agree with you. I was doing TV uh, laptop monitor and phone watch ESPN at the same time, trying to get a little spread of the games. But it's, it's tough. Um, but that's just what it is. I mean, it's exciting, but we kind of just need Scott Hansen to step in and take over for a red zone version of college football. They do have ESPN goal line, but it's not quite It's the just same. not as effective. No, it's not, it's
2: not. It's not as
1: effective. It's not quite the same. Um, JB did – or, ask, excuse me, I'll ask Colt. Holt, is is Texas finally back? They've won two in a row against ranked teams. They beat uh, USC team last week, who USC beat Washington State this weekend on Friday night, and then they beat TCU at home uh, last night. Is Texas finally back, or are we going to have to wait some more?
0: Yeah, I don't really know the answer to that question. Um, I mean, to me, I think Texas has proven these last two weeks that they can compete with – some of the upper echelon teams in the country uh, at least that second tier of teams outside of the top five or ten but uh you know the question for me is can they avoid losing games they shouldn't lose um, you know to me it's gonna be more about not losing to you know Texas Tech or Kansas State or whoever else you know is you know maybe sneak up on them uh, you know they got to take care of business in those type of games before I'm going to sit here and act like you know they're back to being a national title contender. On the flip side, JB,
1: two question, two part question: Is Central Florida the best team in the state of Florida? And part two, are they the best Group of Five team head and shoulders? And be careful how you answer that second one because you know what I would say. Godly, uh, I'm
2: going to give Central Florida the benefit of doubt. I, I will have to say they are currently the best team in the state of florida as far as group of five teams i'm gonna to have to say yes for now
1: i would, agree with, I would agree with that the rankings
2: i say yes for now because of the rankings of uh, what they proved last year and because they still have that dynamic offense last this year led by quarterback mckenzie milton uh, they're going to continue to score a lot of points their defense is very opportunistic it allows a lot of points or a lot of yards and some points but it Opportunistic and trying to force turnovers, so it's, I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. But but they will well, lose a the game. Person. They will lose a game. They yeah. will they will lose a game before this season is over.
1: They do play Memphis at home, so I, I see where you could be going with that. But that's we won't get into that too much. But um, I like I like where you're going with that, Jamie I like where you're going with that. Uh, the old coach for Central Florida, Scott Frost, is now 0 and four or 0 and three at O and three because they had the first game. Yeah, the first game canceled. Hold, are you worried about Scott Frost right now being 0-3? Like, what point do we have to say, okay, Scott Frost is a good coach, but, I mean, he's 0-3 and losing really bad to teams that they should be competing a little bit better with?
0: Yeah, I mean, you're definitely concerned. Um, you know, I definitely think that he's going to get this year and next year uh, at the very least um, to see what he can do. But uh, definitely not to a good start. They got absolutely crushed by Michigan. And Michigan's not very great, honestly. Yeah, they were not competitive in that game whatsoever. Um, you know, their quarterback has been a little banged up. Um, so maybe once he gets back to full health, uh, things will turn around a little bit. You know, the Big Ten East isn't exactly the toughest division in college football. So maybe uh, once they start playing some more, you know, Big Ten East teams or Big Ten West, excuse me, uh, Big Ten West teams, then they'll, uh, you know, maybe start turning things around a little bit. But. It's definitely not looking good so far. And uh, I won't talk too much about Stanford or other
1: than that was probably the best game. You could maybe say that Wisconsin-Iowa was the best game. Both of them were pretty good games tonight. In fact, that was – it's funny because we were trying to go out and we were also going to wait for those games to be over with. And both of them were kind of going down the wires. But I'd rather see good games than go out a little bit earlier, despite what either of you might think I'd rather watch good games and go out. But – well, thing, I not it like, seem like it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I'm
2: surprised that you say it. I'm surprised you say it in Alex. Usually you're like, nah, bruh, we got to get out there to the bars right now. <laughs> this
1: game. Yeah, that's that's how I sound, Debbie. You're right. <laughs> that's how I say uh,
0: yeah. it. He say, asked me like ha- halfway through like the third quarter if I was almost ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't, I think, you, like, I didn't think you care
1: uh, about the non-SEC games as much. but. Well,
0: uh, I mean, I don't care about them as much, but there still were good games coming down to the wire and, just like you were saying earlier, like most of the games early in the day, like we're all kind of blowouts. So yeah. it was good to see some games actually coming down to the wire and, like you know, be kind of toss ups at the end.
1: I um, I was gonna say that the the thing the only thing I was disappointed with. I mean, there's probably other things I'm disappointed with in my life and on Saturday, but I'm I'm kind of disappointed in Rice Love this year because he hasn't showed out quite as much as he did last year. Stanford's still undefeated, so they'll get a, they'll get a lot of um, quality time on ESPN and all the other uh, national games, but I just he hasn't stood out as much this year as he did last year. And and there's still a lot of football left to be played, but I guess we're technically a third of the season through, which is kind of sad, but um, he's not doing as well as he did last year, because my boy Daryl Henderson from Memphis is leading the nation in rushing, but
0: kind of what Bryce loved to do a little bit better. But, let's get into it. That Stanford-Oregon game was a really good game. Um, Oregon kind of had a chance to end it. Um, they had the ball with less than a minute left, and I think Stanford had, like, two timeouts left, and uh, Oregon pretty much just had to run out the clock, and their running back fumbled, and uh, Stanford was able to get on the field, kick a field goal, force overtime, and then ended up winning it in overtime. So, Stanford really fortunate to uh, stay undefeated, and, uh, you know, tough loss for Oregon. Both um, both Oregon
1: and Iowa, I think, should have won or had a good chance of winning yesterday, but they did not um, let's go ahead and get into some of the other SEC games. We'll talk more about Alabama and Texas AM. But I'll start off with this. Um, hold, how are you going to be a Drew Locke apologist slash Missouri apologist this week? Because Georgia was favored by 14 or 15, depending on when you got in on the, the, the gambling, the action. Um, you got in at 15, so you won a shit ton of money, apparently, for Georgia, winning by only 14. Um, but are you upset with me you still optimistic that they are a legitimate team
0: in the sec in the SEC East, or are you giving up on Drew Locke in Missouri already? No, I'm still a believer in Missouri. Um, they really, uh, Missouri's offense and Georgia's offense really played, uh, pretty similarly throughout the game. Um, as far as like being able to score, but, uh, you know Missouri just had a lot of poor time drops and some bad turnovers what about what um, about how they started the game hold? yeah well, they had the you talking about the tight end fumbled and yeah. Georgia returned it for a touchdown like just stuff like that um you know Georgia had a block punt returned for a touchdown you know georgia just uh was was able to affect the game more on defense and special teams and Missouri's defense actually played pretty well. Um they were able to slow down Georgia's running game a little bit and uh keep Georgia from running at will and Missouri ha- actually had some success running the ball on offense. So it was kind of a uh you know, interesting thing there, maybe a little bit unexpected. Um I thought Drew Lock played pretty well. It wasn't like his, you know, best game ever by any means, but um he definitely played well enough for Missouri to win, I thought I thought his receivers and tight ends kinda of let him down a little bit. He had uh, his one interception was right off of a receiver's hands that popped straight up and into a Georgia's, you know, Georgia defenders uh, chest. So, you know, kind of a tough break there. And then of course the fumble, like we talked about those return for a touchdown, a black punt return for a touchdown. Like, you know, you put all that stuff together and it's just like, man, Missouri, like really had a chance to win this game. Um, had they just avoided, you know, those, if they're basically the receivers could just hang onto the ball, you know, they really could have avoided, uh, you know, some of those turnovers and, you know, maybe had a chance to win it at the end. And they, they did hang around, you know. It, it looked for, for a minute like Georgia was going to blow it open, but Missouri just kept battling back and staying in the game. And uh, I was actually really impressed with the way that they played. And uh, if they can get some things straightened out, you know, in their receiver core, then I actually do think they could still have a great season. Oh, um
1: I'll tell you this. Uh, a great philosopher told me once that men lie, women lie – but numbers do not lie. So, Drew, your boy Drew Locke went 23 for 48. That's less than 50% completion rate with 221 yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception. So, you're telling me that you're still okay with that performance given those numbers?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just like I said, if you watch the game, he did a really good job of moving the offense up and down the field and, uh, you know, checked into the right plays and did all the things he had to do. Uh, a lot of times he put the ball right where he needed to be, and his guy just didn 't make the play so i'm not really overly concerned about it um just like I said it wasn't his best game, but at the same time he had a pretty solid performance and good enough to win against one of the you know top teams you know probably the second or third best team in the country, and uh you know put his team in a position to win the game so yeah i mean i I definitely am not too concerned about it i um I'm impressed
1: with Georgia's ability to, to run the ball, given they lost the running backs from last year, they have DeAndre Swift, but Elijah Holyfield is showing out this year or this game. At least he showed out. He I think he outperformed um, Swift and he, he did pretty well. I kind of like I kind of like Holyfield now, and I I don't know why, but I just realized that he was the son of Vayner Holyfield. I feel like I, I feel like I knew he was related somehow because Holyfield is a unique name, but um, I that was kind of cool. They showed him. Showed him and his dad together on the on the screen on the weekend or on the game. I thought it was pretty cool, but I was I was impressed with the, their ability to run the ball. But um, to your point, Holt, um, the difference between good and great teams to me is good teams. Good teams obviously you can see them good, but good teams don't beat themselves. So um, you see, you don't ever see Alabama, or you rarely see Alabama beat themselves, make mistakes like those like those interceptions. Um, at the beginning of the game where it bounced off the receiver's hands right into Georgia and then all those fumbles. So you don't see good teams doing that. So I think that's a very important for Missouri to take that next step for, from good to great is stop making those little uh, mistakes that add up and change the outcome of the game. Getting on to other games, last um, JB, JB, is um, sixth ranked in the country, or they were coming into this game against Louisiana Tech, they look like the sixth best team in the country playing Louisiana Tech all the way into the fourth quarter. Uh, they did in the
2: beginning uh, when they jumped out to a twenty-four nothing lead, but after that, they Oregon got a little conservative. They just started uh, sitting on that lead, and I guess you know just trying to give other guys and just getting, like I said, just getting too conservative. And even against teams like Louisiana Tech, that like, you know treat those games as like are Super Bowl. You can't just sit on a lead like that. You got to be able to keep the foot to the pedal. Uh, that's that's. You've got to be aggressive, even in games like that. And, but when but when uh, Louisiana Tech scored the touchdown to make it 24-21, uh, LSU started playing football again and jumped and uh, scored two consecutive touchdowns after that and put the game away.
0: LSU is
2: really good on defense. Like, I, I really do like that defense. Uh, I'm still concerned a little bit about that offense with Joe Burrow. Uh, it did look a little bit better against Louisiana Tech, and that's what you want to see is some improvement.
1: Did you see Ohio State was tweeting – not tweeting, but Ohio State was cheering for Joe Burrow in Columbus during the game? Like I th- think their crowd showed the, – or the Jumbotron showed the game or something like that, and the fans cheered. I think even the crowd or the band had some kind of like Go Tigers that they spelled out during the game. I didn't know this, but apparently Joe, they've been cheering for Joe Burrow the entire year, but they just I just saw it on Saturday, them showing – uh, Ohio State cheering for LSU. So it's very weird to me that, the, that it's happening, but I think it's also very cool. Different conferences still cheering for a player that was on your team before from Ohio. Yeah, Joe Is-
2: Burrow was uh, kind of a fan favorite in Ohio in, uh, Columbus. Uh, so, I mean, it's really cool to see. It's it's definitely kind of funny to, to have Ohio State fans cheering for an SEC team considering yeah. how much Ohio State fans have such an inferiority complex over the SEC.
1: Oh, how are they going to fix this offense with Joe Burrow and a decent running back? What well, What can they do?
0: You know, I don't really know. Um,
1: we don't pay you to be offense coordinator. I mean, we're, yeah, we're exchange old, hats.
0: What I know is that their receivers are very talented. They've got some really big, physical, talented receivers, and uh, if they can just find some ways to get those guys, um, you know, maybe some easy passes in space, so they can maybe break some tackles and you know do what they do. Then I think that you know it may help out a little bit but you know for the most part you know their offense uh you know i mean we've kind of talked bad about them like on here uh relative to the the praise that they get but i mean it's not like they've been bad i mean they've been you know decent they've been really good on third down um so that's always like a really big deal but uh yeah i mean just going forward i think they're just going to they're not going to be an offensive powerhouse i mean they're going to be a defensive team like i don't think there's any question about that but as long as they keep avoiding turnovers like they have been, I think they should be all right with that defense. If LSU
1: had Drew Locke as their quarterback, would LSU be better than Alabama? Man, that's really tough. Because um, we're saying their defense is really good, and all they're really lacking is offense. So, I mean, it really comes down to, is it just the difference maker and a quarterback here? Or is it the offensive coordinator not calling great plays? What What can – How good could LSU be with a good-to-good-slash-great offense? Could
0: they be number one in the country and beat Alabama? Yeah, well, I mean, I I still would take Alabama just because they're talented running back. I just trust Alabama's running backs a lot more than LSU's right now. We also just don't bet
1: against Alabama, right?
0: uh, Right, and then Alabama's offensive line I think is better as well. Um, And honestly, Alabama's receivers are probably better too, at least downfield. But LSU's receivers are really good also. So, I mean, I don't think, like, just a quarterback would make the difference. I mean, yeah, if like played for LSU, like, I think they would be one of the best teams in the country. But I don't know if they'd be better than Alabama. And where where do you think LSU should be
1: ranked? They're ranked number six because they beat Miami and Auburn this year. But what do you think, like, is a fair ranking for LSU based off of the eyes? not who they beat be in their resume. But what do you think
0: they should be fairly ranked based off of how they look? Um, I'd probably say – somewhere between, like, 12 and 15. I mean, Grant, I'd have to look at, like, all the other teams and, like, rank them out. Yeah. But, you know, maybe, like, maybe like right around somewhere between 10 and 15, I'd probably say, like, it's about how I feel about them. Like, I think they're a good team, but I don't think they're a great team. Going from LSU being Louisiana Tech, which,
1: by the way, we need to give Louisiana Tech a little bit of credit. They were, I mean, I, I don't know why, but I do go kind of crazy when teams are undefeated, even if they're 2-0. and But Louisiana Tech was 2-0, so I don't think – Louisiana Tech is going to be a bad team this year. I don't think they're. I don't think LSU should be competing with them, or they should be competing with LSU rather. But I think Louisiana Tech is not a bad team. So I think we'll look up in later this year, and Louisiana Tech win nine games um, in their comp, in their conference. So I, I don't think they're a bad team. Or not one, nine games in the conference, but nine games overall. So they could go like nine and three or something like that. But um, I don't think Louisiana Tech is that bad of a team. They're probably better than some of the bottom teams in the SEC. Um, so, JB Holt was a Missouri slash Drew Locke apologist. Are you going to be a Vanderbilt slash Derek Mason apologist now after South Carolina laid that ass whooping on Vanderbilt? Because you did pick look, Vanderbilt over South Carolina, which I agreed with you at the time. Could you convince me even?
2: I mean, I never even said I was a Derek Mason apologist. I just want to see him succeed. Uh, I mean, I picked Vanderbilt just because I just. Wasn't as confident in South Carolina in the way they looked uh, in the first couple of weeks. Their offense was just sputtering and didn't look that good. But it really came out to play against Vanderbilt in South Carolina. Looked like they were on a mission to uh, prove a lot of people wrong because I think even the entire uh, College Game Day crew. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think all four of those people picked Vanderbilt.
1: Yeah, I didn't. And, I not watch Game Day, <laughs> but it probably sounds right.
2: And I think a lot. I think you know, South Carolina felt a little bit disrespected and they had a lot to prove going into that game and came out and uh, controlled that game from the get-go, and it never really even was close. Uh, Vanderbilt, you know, looked really good in their first three games of the season uh, before they played South Carolina, I had good reason to pick them. Plus, with them being at home, they were playing with a lot of confidence. I didn't really trust South Carolina going into that game, but uh, South Carolina definitely showed me something. They still have some fight in them.
1: That defense showed out today for South Carolina, which you would hope would be a weekly occurrence with Will Muschamp, the head coach slash defensive guru. Um, Kyle Shermer, who, I mean, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the SEC, so you can't really even say the top half of the SEC quarterbacks, but he's still a very respectable quarterback in the SEC. Went 18 for 38 for 180 yards with one touchdown and one interception. A QBR of 28.8, so not a not a great day for Shermer. It was at Vanderbilt, so you'd expect them to be kind of fired up and play a little bit better than this, but you're, I think you're right. I was on a mission, so they're, um, it looks a lot better than Banner, but we'll just say that Jake Bentley went, oh, excuse me, sorry, had a little outburst for a second. What are we doing? A little outburst for a second. Um, but Jake Bentley went 19 for 28 with one touchdown, one reception. Um, I still want Jake Bentley to do a little bit better than he's doing, but, um, yeah, I think he's, as a toss up, who's better between Jake Bentley and Kyle Schirmer? I think they're about, they're pretty even. Uh, I think Bentley might be a little a little above above Shermer, but you could you could make an argument for either. But um so kinda of ran the ball pretty well with Rico Dattle having hundred and twelve yards, one touchdown. So um and they're rushing. So I think that's kind of kind of game style that Will Muschamp likes is uh ground and pound. As much as he wants to spread the ball out and say he's not the Will Muschamp before, I still think he would enjoy running the ball forty times a game if he could win that way. So South Carolina is back on, back in our good graces now, winning 37 to 14. And we'll, we'll have a discussion a little bit about the SECs and who's really the second best team. Cause we have a legitimate argument now, but, um, staying in the SECs, so we'll stay in the SECs. So let's talk about, um, will we'll talk about, we'll, we'll go from one sadness to the next. We'll start with Florida and Tennessee. Um, so JB, I'm sorry, sorry for this in advance. Um, we were, we were texting about this, and you, you were telling me – I was asking if you were you're all right because it wasn't a close game at all. And you said it's just BVD. And I was like, what the hell is BVD? And you're saying battered – no, B, BVS, excuse me, BVS. And I was like, what the hell is BVS? And you were saying battered ball syndrome. You're saying this is just what it's been like for the last 10 years. I feel kind of bad for you because I don't like Tennessee, but um, I feel for you with that because nobody wants to see somebody go through that for 10 years. But what, what went wrong in this game against Florida? It was at home that – crowd was pretty fired up. Um, I think this is a real toss up game that Tennessee could have won. Uh, just one
2: word, turnovers. Turnovers. Uh, that's, yeah, they Tennessee turned the ball over six times in this game. Florida scored 30 points off the turnovers, and that was really the difference in this game. Uh, just turnovers, and also Tennessee's offensive line was not able to uh, block this Florida defensive line, which was less than mediocre coming into this game, and that was really the – the matchup that I highlighted going into this game is that uh, it was going to be a crappy Tennessee offensive line against a crappy Florida defensive line, Florida's defensive line won that battle. And that was kind of the part of the reason of uh, forcing some of those turnovers. And that was really the biggest difference in this game. It was more of kind of like uh, uh, Florida didn't really win it. Tennessee just pretty much just gift wrapped that game on a silver platter for Florida. Like, when you give a team 30 – spot a team 30 points off turnovers, like you're not going to beat anybody.
1: I was watching other games when – probably in the second quarter when I thought the game was over, I started watching other games. I mean, I was watching – I think on the, my laptop screen I was watching this game, but I was really watching the Mississippi State game because at the same time. But when did people start leaving the stadium? Was it the second half or was it – they stayed to the fourth quarter. It looks like it wasn't – they definitely weren't there in the fourth quarter. So when, when exactly didn't people start leaving?
2: Third quarter, uh, Tennessee had the ball and uh, fumbled it on the kickoff return. And Florida <laughs> got the and uh, yeah, that was the uh, fifth turnover of the game. Uh, fumbled it on the kickoff return, and then Florida scored on the first play after that. And they got the ball to Tennessee twenty.
1: When you talk about turnovers, this isn't always um, the effect of having better players or horrible players. It's not you can't always say like talent talent wins or loses games. When you say turnovers, I think, that sounds like mental errors to me. So is Ball Nation um, mad at the players for turning the ball over, or are they mad at Jeremy Pruitt for not preparing them for this game?
2: It's just mainly just <clears throat> poor execution. Uh, Pruitt wasn't really calling a terrible game. Uh, he was actually calling a really aggressive game plan. Uh, there was a time early in this game, I think the score th- at one point was – it was a two-touch – it was a uh, three-touchdown game. I think the score was 23-3. to Tennessee had the ball of fourth and one at their own 45. And uh, Pruitt gambled and went for it, had a play action, uh, threw the ball down the field to a wide-open tight end, Austin Pope. He started running towards the end zone at a snail's pace. Like, he looked like he was running at a 55 speed on NCAA. <laughs> a second, secondary caught up to him real fast. Yeah, reaches ball, reaches his hand out for the end zone around the five yard line. Dove, ball came out, fumbled right through the end zone. it got the ball in the touchback.
1: It will... that was really
2: the that was the that was really kind of like the final straw. <laughs> I,
1: I didn't watch the game, but I can't I can't believe they had that <laughs> fumble the kickoff on the in the second half to start the second half right after you have twenty or thirty minutes at halftime to talk about not making turnovers and stupid plays. That's actually, I mean. It's kind of funny, but it's just kind of sad. Like that would that would piss me off, piss me off enough to want to leave too. If that happened right after halftime.
2: Yeah, like it, I mean, I guess I just didn't really care that much because I mean I wasn't really, ex- even though I did pick Tennessee to win. Like I guess it was really just more of my, uh, my heart that was picking them. But in my mind, I just didn't really see it happening. Just because this team is just too mistake prone, and I saw too many mistakes in the games against West Virginia and. You have to even think about them having an opportunity, like it's just because of the last ten years, like I just just battered fault syndrome, like kind of puts you in a stage of apathy. What, like,
1: you what can you care. What can you tell me about this Florida offense and Felipe Frank specifically? Um, we we're, we we're talking about Dan Mullen and Florida um, being a team that might start out slow but might catch catch a little more speed and momentum towards the end of the year because that's how he he, he coaches. He, he <laughs> develops quarterbacks and he's. He um, has teams that play a little bit better than they should uh, towards the end of the year. So Felipe Franks went 9-for-18 with 172 yards and three touchdowns. Did Were you impressed with Felipe Franks and the Florida offense a little bit, or were we just – I mean, it was turnovers, but did you catch anything from that Florida offense to say, like, hey, this might be a team that's getting improving a little bit?
2: I don't really know if I could say that. Uh, their offense, you know, made the plays when they needed to. Uh, they, were, they had a short field. Made half the time in this game, I just because of the Tennessee miscues, and it was per, it was a, it was a good situation for Felipe Franks to work with. Uh, and the crazy thing is, uh, he's his stats so far this season is he has twelve touchdowns, so only two interceptions. That's a really good ratio. And you know, with Dan Mullen coaching him, he's going to pretty much have a conservative game playing for him. He doesn't want him to make mistakes. And I think they're just going to kind of rely on, you know, just <clears throat> trying to take care of the football and. Not turn the ball over, and have hopefully have the other team make mistakes. And of course, that's exactly what happened against Tennessee. They made a lot of mistakes, and they were able to capitalize on each every single one of them.
1: It'll be interesting to see how. I mean, it might be a little scary, JB, but it'll be interesting to see how Tennessee plays next week against Georgia. I don't do they have a bye week, or is it just Georgia next week?
2: They have Georgia next week, and they'll have a
1: bye. Yeah, so, I mean, they're not going to be favorites at Georgia. It could get ugly, but, I mean, if you're going to that game, you're expecting a loss, but you would at least want to see um, them limit the turnovers and the mental errors. So, I think that's something to watch for in the next game.
2: Yeah, they just just seem to limit to one turnover per half. That would be a good start.
1: Going from one disappointing (laughs) outcome and fan to the next. um, Sorry, Holt. In advance, Mississippi State was favored by 10, 10 and a half against Kentucky. Um, ended up losing 28-7. It was at Kentucky. Um, it was a game that was raining, so that probably um, – that usually hurts a team that likes to throw the ball more, which in this case could be Mississippi State with Fitzgerald. I mean, they do like to run the ball a lot, but Fitzgerald does like to th- throw the ball. Um, what, what were you disappointed the most in this game? I was watching it with you, and we were talking about the offensive line not being great. And you're saying a lot of people didn't like the way Nick Fitzgerald played, but what were you disappointed the most? And also, I guess Benny Snell had a great game too. So you get mad at their defensive uh, defensive defense uh, for not being able to stop the run.
0: No, I actually thought the defense played really well. Um, You know, Benny Snell's a great running back. He's going to get his yards. Uh, The Kentucky offensive line, you know, they, they weren't great uh, against the pass rush, but in the running game, they did a really good job of opening up holes for him and, Snell's a really patient runner and was able to, you know, pick up some big gains that way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was just – the thing I was most disappointed in is, like we talked about, was just the offensive line. They just – they played really poorly. Um, they but, jumped. But I was going to say, you're, you're about to talk about, like, the, the flags, but
1: can you talk about – we were talking about this while we were watching the game. It, they, they had a lot of false starts, and I don't know if that's as typical – This offensive line, I don't think it is, but you were saying the Kentucky defensive line was kind of like messing with them, talking to them, and doing line shifts that was throwing them off.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if if how much of it was crowd noise and how much of it was that they just don't practice like the silent count enough. But, uh, you know, Kentucky's defensive line was, you know, doing like those planned like shifts or whatever where they all move like at the same time to try to like get the offensive line to jump off sides and, uh, you know, Missouri State's uh, both of their tackles jumped off sides probably like, I think maybe two or three times a piece. And, you know, it was just really hard for Missouri State to get anything, any drive sustained uh, like that. And, um, you know, they, it seemed like they were always behind the chains and Fitzgerald was always having to throw the ball. And then um, Kentucky's defensive line did a great job. They really uh, harassed um, Nick Fitzgerald most of the game. Uh, anytime he tried to draw back to pass, he might throw someone on him like right away. And, um, you know, they just did a really good job of affecting them. And, um, you know, because State was behind the chain so much, they couldn't really get the running game going. And, uh, you know, the defense played great. Like, they really did. They they had a really good game plan. They played, you know, really well. Terry Wilson, like, really couldn't do anything throwing the ball. Um, You know, they put the offense in positions to, uh, you know, to take the lead or get back in the game. And they just couldn't the offense just couldn't get anything going. And uh the you know, the dam finally broke uh after Mississippi State was up uh fourteen or Mississippi State was down fourteen to seven in the fourth quarter with like nine minutes left. And they had the ball at the Kentucky side of the field and Fitzgerald threw an interception and then the next play, uh Benny Snow had like a thirty yard touchdown run and uh that pretty much just ended it right there and then he tagged on another one after that as well. But uh You know, a lot of that came when the game was kind of already over. And, um, you know, you hate to see it. As a Mississippi State fan, it's definitely, like, pretty shitty. Um, But, you know, it's kind of par for the course when you're a Mississippi State fan, I guess. Do you think the game's a little bit closer if it wasn't raining? I mean, I thought it was a close game anyway. I mean, it really was. I mean, it was was a close game the the whole time. The score's not, but it
1: was a close game.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can tell you scored, just like I said, they scored two touchdowns, like, you know, when the game was pretty much already over. Um, You know, just like I said, I mean, it's the defense. I don't blame them at all. They played really well. They even forced – they had a big turnover um, at the start of the fourth quarter that really looked like it was going to be the break that they needed. But the offense, just like I said, they just couldn't get anything going. They kept shooting themselves in the foot, and they couldn't block. And it was just a, it was just a rough day for the offense for Mississippi State. And the
1: Mississippi State fans that you've heard on Twitter and out in the streets talking to you
0: personally, um, not mad at Joe, Moore, Joe Moorhead, right? Not, you can't be nah, mad at it's, I mean, maybe a little bit just because it seemed like there was a lot of undisciplinedness out there. I mean, State had, you know, over 150 yards of penalties, um, you know, and then they only had like 158 yards passing or something like that. So, I mean, it's definitely not good. And then, um, you know, but most of the stuff that I hear, most of the blame that goes around, you know, as usual, is, is going to be on the quarterback. Uh, you know, Nathan Show didn't really play very good last night, but – You know what I mean? It's just one of those things that, you know, I I don't really blame him as much. Like, I definitely think he could have played better for sure. But when the offensive line is doing what they're doing and they couldn't use their whole playbook because, you know, like I'm saying, they're behind the chain so much Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's just hard to really get anything going. And, you know, I I definitely agree that he could have played better and he should be playing better at this point in his career. It's his third year as a starter. But you know, when your offensive line isn't blocking and you're behind the the sticks, you know, it's really hard to get stuff going. Yeah,
1: but you're allowed to have a bad game. I, I think he'll he'll recover. And he's he's still a pretty good quarterback in this season. I, think, I don't think I'm not worried too much about the team in general. I think he'll. I don't know who they play next week, but um, I think they Florida. Will, Florida. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. You're going to the game. Big game. Big game. That'll be fun. Actually, it'll be a really fun game. It was gonna be fun to start the year, but it would be. It'll still be fun even this year with uh, Florida coming off a win and Mississippi State coming off a loss. They're more, I guess, closer match than they were a week ago. So this will be a fun game. Um, let's get on to back to the Texas A&M-Alabama game. So we definitely think that Alabama is the best team in the country at this point. Um, you listen to the post-game press conference, and Nick Saban went on another little rant about how he's mad that the media is praising Alabama too much because they don't have anything bad to say, to coach him up and talk to him about and like. And then he thinks, like, all the players are going to take what the media says and say, like, oh, we don't need to work as hard because the media says we're great, um, which is it's just funny how he gets mad at not being mad at something to talk about. Not He's mad that he doesn't have something to get yell at the team about. Um, but I guess he does in his mind. One thing I said I will say about this game is that Alabama did play pretty well in this game, but um, they do have trouble with scrambling quarterbacks, and um, Kellen Mond – Looked pretty good in this game running the ball. Um, he had a lot of big, big, uh, long gains running. Um, so, is is that something that we should expect us to see in the future? Um, Holt as um, as Alabama plays more mobile quarterback, especially when it gets to the postseason play. When you talk about like Clemson or Kyler Murray with Oklahoma or um, Join Hyson to Ohio State, you have. Um, quarterbacks that are more dual threat so should Alabama still be worried about the dual threat quarterback as always
0: yeah yeah I mean I just think that when you play as much man coverage as they do it's gonna open up a lot in the running game uh, for the quarterback so when you know he breaks contain and gets outside the pocket then he's gonna have room to run I mean that's just part of how they work their defense and it's always kind of been a problem for him but you know I don't you know maybe Kyler Murray I could see giving them some problems but you know, other than that, I, I think uh, Alvin was going to pretty much be able to shut down most of the teams they play.
1: Yeah, um, I'll ask you again, Holt. Um, I know JB's, JB's JB's a believer, but you're still not a believer. I'll ask you again: Is Tua better than Drew Locke at this point?
0: Man, I was really hoping you weren't going to ask me that. Yeah, four um, touchdowns,
1: four touchdowns, three hundred eighty-seven yards. Yeah. I mean, you
0: can't like. I think you still. I think you have to say Tua honestly because yeah. like he he hasn't done like anything bad like he's literally been almost as perfect as he could possibly be and you know as much as I love Drew log like he has you know he didn't play like a great game last week you know or this week against Georgia I mean he played good but you know not great and so far Tua like you know this has probably been his biggest test against Texas and ms defense and you know he just continues to just show out and just be a superstar. For sure, I'm I'm on the Tua train now. I think
1: he's better than Drew Locke Also, it's it's hard, but I still think he's better. I think Drew Locke will be the better NFL player as always, but right now Tua <laughs> is definitely better. Um, hop on board. Hop on board, JB says. JB, um, should Ole Miss be worried about how close they played Kent State through two three quarters of this game? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, JB. <laughs> I mean,
2: let's just face it. Like Ole Miss didn't really. You know, give a rat's ass about this game. Just watching their uh, body language on the field and on the sideline, I think were, you could tell they're just going through the motions. Like against a team like Kansas State, I mean, you really shouldn't be going through the motions. But Ole Miss's offense, you can just tell they were just going to go out there and just, you know, treat it like a practice game. And you know, they made enough plays, but they'll be up for the other games this season. I mean, it's just that's just the nature of a lot of these teams nowadays. Like they don't get up for these smaller teams.
1: Kent State is probably one of the worst teams in the NCAA. They they were definitely where last year, and I guess this year is to be determined. But Kansas is off to a great start, so they've already won like two games, I think. So um, Kent State this might be the worst team in the country still. Again, they've won a game, so maybe they're not. But um, they're not definitely not a good team. But um, this game did get in rain delay. I think what was like two hours, maybe. I guess that's what you're talking about from Memphis. The weather this weekend, I guess Ole Miss got a little bit of that weather from Memphis or from same. Uh, thunderstorm, but it was like a two-hour rain delay or something like that, right, JB?
0: Yeah, it was just
2: a lot. It was mainly just you know steady rain in Memphis all weekend in this area, but uh, they did have some uh, some uh, thunderstorms as well. And I do remember uh, there was a rain, there was a delay in Memphis. So there wasn't a delay in Oxford, but it definitely. Great playing conditions for a team that loves to pass the ball, like Ole Miss.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, Ole Miss is still Ole Miss on offense. They're a great team, man. Uh, 442 yards for Jordan Tamu. I mean, it was Kent State, so not the best defense in the world, but um, they're still showing out on offense. 442 yards for Jordan Tamu. Um, Scotty Phillips, uh, we talk about his not the best running back, but he he puts up numbers. Uh, 112 yards off of 19 carries, one touchdown. Pretty good numbers for him. He's still doing pretty good. Um, Nobody really talks about him because they don't really play great defenses if they haven't yet, but um, he still has pretty good numbers against bad teams. Let's talk about the, the last game of the week, uh, the Arkansas-Auburn game. Um, Auburn won 34-3, to um, so about what the line was, I think, 31 points. Um, it was at Auburn. Uh, their defense played really well, but we were talking about this whole um, – they won by 31, which is what
0: they were supposed to do, but Auburn still didn't look great, did they? No, not offensively. Um... You know they were able to get some touchdowns some non-offensive touchdowns in this game um to maybe make it look a little bit uh better but offensively they didn't they still struggle to run the ball and they still are not where they need to be offensively um you know we talked about that uh, nate craig myers starting our receiver transfers and um you know i just I don't, I don't really know what's going on offensively with them um you know, since they lost on Johnson and Cameron Petway, they just haven't really been able to run the ball. They haven't been able to find like a another good running back um, to kind of take over there. So, you know, I mean, it's I'm, I'm not to the point where like I'm like too concerned, but like it's, you know, they really need to figure out that running game before they go to uh, Mississippi State next week.
1: Not this
0: week, but next week, their um, their bread and butter has always been running the game, but.
1: You know, the last few years they haven't had a quarterback. They finally have a quarterback, but now they don't have a running game. So, it's just funny how it flip-flops on them. But, yeah, their bread and butter is running. So, they definitely need to figure out how to run the game. I think they can still get by with games because Jarrett Siddham a pretty good quarterback. But um, they they will figure out – should figure out how to run that ball, um, which you get mad at Auburn how they win some of the games. Uh, they get lucky, as a lot of people will say, some of the way that, ways they win. But, um we will see how that develops over the years. Arkansas, unfortunately, is still the worst team in the SEC, according to our Twitter poll, our recent Twitter poll. They uh, just airily nudged out uh, Tennessee as being the worst team in the SEC. But um, Arkansas fans will tell you that even though they lost by 31, things weren't as bad this game because they did hold the Auburn offense to um, not as many points as they should have scored. So I guess that's something to look up for Arkansas. And hey, they don't have to play North Texas next week. So Arkansas, I guess it's good for you. Um, but we still love you, Arkansas fans. You're still probably one of our favorite fan groups that follow us on Twitter because you're still cool and have fun with uh, the team this year, even though they're not, not a great year for you. It's a recovery year, a rebuild year, I guess. Um, so that kind of completes our SEC games this week. Um, I'm not sure if you want to talk about it. The only, thing, I guess the only thing I'll ask about is since Kentucky beat Mississippi State and we're not in Georgia a lot, beat Missouri, Missouri beat, lost to Georgia, um, do we have a favorite team in the SEC besides Georgia, like the number two best team in the East?
2: I think uh, you have to say Kentucky as a team in the SEC's division. I don't know what Holt would say, but just watching Kentucky, like their offensive line, they're winning the battles up front in the offensive line. Their defense is really opportunistic. Uh, Stoops has really got uh, something cook, uh, good cooking in Lexington right now.
1: Lexington doesn't have good food either, though, I don't think. I mean, I, they, they might fight over that, but I don't know anything about it. they. They have Lexington barbecue, but that's Lexington, North Carolina, not Lexington, Kentucky. So I don't know if they have yeah. cooking. So maybe uh, something. I don't know what they're doing in Lexington. Maybe they have something in the water over there. It's it's working there. They're finally. We don't have to laugh at him in SEC media days right now, uh, because he's he's actually started off four now. So good team.
0: But what, what, what Well South South Carolina is actually going to be uh, the early lines have them favored in Lexington next week. Uh the line's so, uh, actually
2: moved. I'll just actually check. The line has moved from South Carolina being uh two point favorite to Kentucky is now a one point favorite.
0: Okay. It's a pickup, it's well, a true pickup game. That should uh yeah, well I mean that should just tell you um that Vegas still has some respect for still see South Carolina as the second best team in the East. Um I think Missouri's also there as well. I think it's between those three teams for the second best team. Um, you know, just like I said I, I think that Missouri definitely held their own against Georgia a lot better than South Carolina did. Um, And I think that if Missouri can avoid those mistakes going forward, I still like them as the second-best team in the East. But that being said, Kentucky also really impressed me um, last weekend. And, uh, you know, but I'm still not giving up on South Carolina either. I mean, they really just had one bad game. Vanderbilt's definitely not an easy team, and they went on the road and beat them, you know. But what was the final score? I, I can't. From the top of my head, but they won like by like, you know, two or three touchdowns. So um definitely impressed with them. I uh, so, uh I wouldn't be It'll su- be interesting to see uh who can kind of emerge as that second best team. I wouldn't in the be East.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Y'all might think I'm crazy now, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Florida at the end of the year being the second or third best team in the East, just because I'm a believer in Dan Mullen and his ability to develop teams towards the end of the year, and you might laugh at that hole, but I think I think uh, they, they have they have the talent. It just depends on how they develop that offense. Uh, but we, we shall see. Um, that concludes our show for this week. We will preview week five. We're already getting close to halfway through the year, sadly. But true, we're already almost halfway through the year. So we'll preview some exciting games next week, including that Mississippi State-Florida game, where Dan Mullen returns to start for the next week. So I'm pretty excited about that. Thanks for listening to the show as always. And uh, hopefully, next time we'll eat some better barbecue and cheaper barbecue. Next time we'll talk to you. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to us on Twitter or on iTunes and all the other podcast forums at SEC Slow Smoke and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoke. See you next week or three days. (laughs)